What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and here with me on the other end of the line, as he is each and every week, is my co-host, Curtis. And on today's show, we're going to focus our attention on the NFL Draft, which was very good to some of our guys, and then not so great to others. And we're also going to attempt after that to kind of forecast where some of our potentially draft eligible guys may end up going next year in the 2019 draft. So we'll do a little recap on the most recent draft and a little look ahead to next year's draft as well. But before we get to all that stuff, I do want to remind everyone that you can follow us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. Love to hear your thoughts and reaction to the NFL draft and what we got coming up here in the offseason. I also want to make sure that everyone knows where to find our show. Clearly, you're listening to us somewhere but I want to make sure everyone knows that there are a variety of places you can find us. DogSportsRadio.com will be the first place to look part of the larger V4O Internet Radio Network. You can also download the Dog Sports Radio uh, Internet app straight to your phone. Uh, if you prefer iTunes and SoundCloud, some of the bigger platforms out there, you can definitely find us there. You can also find us on the Stitcher and TuneIn apps as well. We really appreciate everyone that's taken time to give us a rating or review on your preferred platform. If you get a chance, if you haven't done so, it would sincerely help us out. We'll be greatly, we would greatly appreciate it if you take just a second or two and give us a little feedback there. Uh, all right, Kurt, with that out of the way, let's go ahead, man, and let's talk a little bit about this most recent 2018 draft. We had a total of six players taken in this 2018 NFL draft, starting, of course, with Mr. Roquan Smith taking number eight overall by Chicago, a guy that I thought all of last year was the best player in America, and I was saying that over and over again. From very early on the season, and it surely did not disappoint with him going in the top 10 to the Chicago Bears. Then he was uh, followed up by Isaiah Wynn, maybe a little bit surprising there. Isaiah Wynn to the New England Patriots at number 23 overall, followed next by Sony Michelle, former roommate of Isaiah Wynn for a little while there, taken also by the New England Patriots at number 31 at the tail end of the first round there. Then very early on in the second round, uh, Nick Chubb comes off the board, going number 35 overall to Cleveland. Uh, then in the next round, the third round, he had Lorenzo Carter go number 66 overall. And then it was a little while before we had another guy go, and that was Javon Wims, uh, who was the sixth and final Bulldog to be selected, going 224th overall in the seventh round, also by the Chicago Bears. So obviously a lot of great things happening for us in this draft. To have six guys taking overall, three going in the first round. That's huge. A lot of reasons to be excited. But there, there's some bad mixed in with the good there. We also had a couple of guys in Trent Thompson and Devin Bellman that people thought might have a chance to sneak in there late in the draft and get drafted. But uh, lo and behold, they end up going undrafted and signed as rookie free agents. So uh, a lot of great things. But there's also um, a few guys that were definitely disappointed in what went down with this draft. So Kurt... I'm going to start with with this question. When you look at everything in its totality, all seven rounds, what surprised you most when it came to this draft and our guys, particularly in the draft? Um, I think I'd probably say the fact that Sony went in the first round. You know, I thought the Patriots. You know, I, I you know this whole time leading up to it, I actually thought the Patriots would take him, but I had an idea that you know since they had loaded up on all those second round picks, I thought that they would be taking him like early in the second round. Yeah, I thought Sony was he was kind of like um yeah he, he definitely was a guy that could definitely go late first round, seeing that late first round or be early second round. I wasn't like completely stunned that he went in the first. Actually, I was hoping. I tried to stay up. Man, I fell asleep. But I tried to stay up to see him get drafted. And I, I fell asleep like two picks before he got drafted. And I woke up in the middle of the night and 
I looked at it and saw saw that he got picked. It was, it was great, man. I love seeing love seeing him go. I think it's a great spot for him. Uh, but I wasn't totally stunned. I, I, honestly, I don't know if there was anything that like that was completely out of left field for me on uh, with uh, the whole I mean, draft. That's what I'm other than that, everything kind of went as expected. Like some people um, thought that Trent not getting drafted was su- surprising. I'm like, I, I honestly that didn't shock me at all. I didn't. I would have been surprised if Trent did get drafted based off. Yeah, I was. I would have been shocked if he did. Yeah, based yeah, off his his you know inconsistent production throughout college, and then his really. I mean, let's be real, guys. Very subpar showing at the combine and at the UGA <laughs> pro day. That didn't really surprise me at all, especially considering. Yeah, I mean, especially one thing you didn't—you never heard about him taking that many meetings and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, you, you, there wasn't a conversation there. And, and some people, and I get it, some people were kind of moderately surprised that Davin Bellamy did not get drafted. And I'll admit, I was at least somewhat surprised that Bellamy did not get drafted. I thought he might sneak in in the sixth or seventh round somewhere late. But if you really think about it, I wasn't altogether stunned that he didn't get drafted. Um, I mean, it just didn't shock me necessarily. Uh, for me, uh, I get what you're saying with Sony. I, I think the biggest surprise for me, and again, this is not like an overwhelming surprise. I mean, There's nothing really out there that completely threw me for a loop. But the biggest thing for me was that Lorenzo fell to the third round. I honestly thought, you know, if you looked at what he was able to do at the combine with his 40 time and just it really his, just his measurables were off the chart throughout the whole process. Um, I was a little bit surprised to see him drop to the third round. I thought for sure he would go somewhere in the second round. I thought there was a, you know, early in the process, especially after he put that huge 40 time uh, at the combat, I thought he might sneak into the, the late first round, you know, because teams are so desperate for pass rushers. You know, you always hear that obviously the most important position is quarterback, and the second most important position is either the guy who protects the quarterback at left tackle or the guy that gets after the quarterback as a pass rusher. So you thought there might be a chance with teams so hungry to find that next elite pass rusher that maybe sneak in the first round late there, uh, but certainly in the second round somewhere. So him slipping to the top of the third round was a little surprising for me. Were you shocked at that at all? Did that shock you or surprise you at all? No, because, I mean, as much as he did did with his intangibles, he never really put the, the production, never truly matched. And yeah. so, I mean, I think they were afraid that some teams were a little hesitant to, you know, take a flyer when everything didn't match up. Yeah, I think that's – like, honestly, I can't fault teams for, for not taking Lorenzo inside the, the first two rounds. I I really can't. I mean, it uh, ended up being a great pick for the Giants. I mean, they it's, a, it's they, a great they, value they pick there. there. Yeah, it's a great value pick for them at that spot. I mean, you can't, you got to take him if he's on the board there. There's no doubt. Um, but I'm with you on Lorenzo. Like, I, I think he he was always a guy that measured off the charts in terms of his athleticism, his his, his speed, just everything he brings to the table from a physical standpoint. I mean, he's he's a freak of nature physically. He really is one of those freak athlete kind of guys. But for whatever reason, the production on the field, it wasn't that it was bad. It just was never – was it ever stellar for him? No, it never jumped off the page. Like, he never – that's what I think. He never um, he never tapped what he was truly potential. Yeah, know? his potential. It, it, like, in that body, like, the the just the, the physical potential he has in that body, he, he never really like, – like you said, didn't really tap that in college. Now, I will say, I thought 2017 was his best year by far. He made a really good decision by coming back. I, do you think he would have got drafted in the top three rounds coming out last year? No, I mean, I know it's mean to say, but something I've always said since last year, everyone's like, you know, oh, I want to, I praise these dogs for coming back and helping Kirby build what he built. None of them, they didn't, none they, of them they never came back because they wanted to help build Kirby. No, it's because they didn't get what they wanted when they were told yeah. they'd be drafted. Coming back and helping us was just kind of like a, a, a fortunate byproduct of them trying to improve their draft stock. 
right? I mean, that's that's essentially what it was. It was. I mean, you see, it worked out for everyone but Gavin. But I mean, yeah. I don't think, I think he probably was in the same situation last year. So what did he have to win or lose? Yeah, honestly, he last won. year, and I, like, I'm not trying to kill Dab. I mean, I, I, I do, I love Dab and everything he did for us. But like when he, they were talking about, like when they had the announcement, those guys are all coming back. They brought them together. I was sitting there thinking to myself, and I, I, I kind of, I obviously know why they were thinking about going pro, why they're considering it. Lorenzo, I don't completely get it, but I mean, you know, he has that potential, he has that upside. But that was about going pro last year was Davis and Sanders. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, that's true. But, but even like for me, Bellamy, I was sitting there thinking when they brought all those guys up, so they're all coming back, and then that like, kind of little press conference. I, I can't help, I couldn't help but think to myself like, why is Bellamy involved here? Like, is is he even really thinking about going pro? Yeah, like, really? Like, this year he made some of those plays in the big time games, but like, the year before he did nothing like that. Yeah, I mean, th- yeah, this year, he, I mean, he he had some huge play for uh, plays for us in huge moments. I mean, he, when when we needed him most, he stepped up. I gotta give him that. I mean, at Notre but Dame, he did a also huge play. in a lot of times, like the Auburn loss and things. The like Auburn that. loss. He, I mean, it wasn't just him. I mean, let's be fair here. It wasn't just him, but he killed us in that game, not being able to set the edge and just diving inside play after play after play. Uh, just so undisciplined at times. Now, when when, when Davin wanted to p- play within the system and do things the way our coaches expect him to do it, he was a really good player for us. And I think I do think Davin really improved his senior year at that. I mean, his sophomore and definitely his junior year, he was really really inconsistent at times, setting that edge and doing what he was supposed to do and just playing with discipline. He did, he did a much better job of that this year. But and, and while, again, he had those big moments against Notre Dame, helped us win that game, sealed that game, and obviously the the, the sack fumble against Auburn was a huge momentum play in that game. I mean, massively. We not win that game without that play. It's a huge play. Uh, you can't take that away from him. But kind of like we're talking about Lorenzo, game in and game out. Did his production ever stand out to you as a guy that was going to get drafted in in the, not even in the top rounds, but get drafted at all? No. Like I just look at production. You see the sacks. She had tackles for losses and things like that, just were never there. And then the thing is, here's the thing, too. All right, the difference was, all right, Lorenzo, we said his production never really matched what he was capable of, but his intangibles jumped off at you. You know, his speed, his jump, everything like that. Right. It's a co- doesn't yeah. have any of that. Absolutely. It's a great point. That might be the difference. If you look at their numbers, they're not all that different, you know, in terms of production. But Lorenzo had so much more versus what he was, what our coaches were able to do with him versus in, in with his skill set. Have him play uh, with his hand in the dirt at times. Have him line up at inside linebacker. Have him line up at star. Have, I mean, we we were able to do so many different things with Lorenzo Carr just based off of his sheer athleticism. And when you, you have that kind of athleticism, teams get you know they get kind of intoxicated by that, and they 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 all think they're the greatest coaches on the face of the earth. So they think, you know what, maybe maybe I can work this guy into something. You see that rugby player get drafted and not someone like Bellamy because they think, wow, I can do something with him. Right, when you see athletics and they, all these guys, you know, they, they do this for a living. They coach for a living. It's like, you know what, man, I can, I can turn this guy into something. I'm the one that can tap into that potential. But I think that's really what it is for Lorenzo, why he got drafted and Bellamy didn't. Because if you look at their stats, I mean, Lorenzo had 14 career sacks. Bellamy had 13 career sacks. Um, Lorenzo had five sacks in 2016, four and a half last year. And Bellamy had five each, uh, five sacks each in the last two years. So, I mean, the production is about the same, but Lorenzo just brings so much to the table athletically, and you can do a lot of different things with him. So, I, you know, I wasn't altogether stunned that Davin didn't get picked. I thought he might sneak in there sixth or seventh round just based on, uh, I mean, he, he's a good athlete. He's a good, solid player. He's played in big-time moments and is a clutch kind of guy. So I thought maybe somebody would take a flyer on him, but I wasn't stunned necessarily that they did not. Uh, which one of our guys landed in the best situation in your mind? Like, like uh, within a situation where they can make the 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 biggest impact early on. 
Sony. I, I'm totally with you, man. I think I mean, isn't he like, tailor made for the Patriots? Yeah, I've always said, um, you know, the last two years, you and I were talking about it, when Sony went pro, he would fit in two systems, in my opinion, either the Saints or the Patriots. And I always said the Patriots was the absolute best fit for him because he can do stuff in the return game. Um, he's, um, he's really good in the passing game, the receiving game, pass blocking, and, uh, and running between the tackles and that, and he's just smart. He's just a great all-around player, man. He really is. Like people always, they always try to label him as the the lightning and the thunder and lightning combo, which I never got because Sony ran with so much power. I just I never understood this idea that he was just kind of a scat back kind of guy and that he was more of a finesse player. No freaking way! People forget that Sony broke his shoulder. He broke his scapula in his freshman year trying to run over a Tennessee defender. So I this idea that he doesn't run with power is crazy. He runs with power, but he also has great feet. He's deadly in open in open space. Um, he's a great receiver out of the backfield. And that's I mean, if you look at I mean, you and I I, mean, I don't want to speak for you. I'll speak for myself here. You guys know I'm not a huge NFL guy. I mean, I watch NFL, but I, I'm definitely not as much into it as I am college. It's just just not my thing. Uh, but when I watch the Patriots. You look at the running backs they have outside of outside of Legarrette Blunt. It's a bunch of guys that are kind of like Swiss Army knives, right? They they catch the ball in the backfield. Uh, you can use them in a lot of different situations. They pass balls. Yeah, they look at their best person, James White. That's what he does. I yeah, mean, him and, and Sony are exact copies of each other. Absolutely, and, and Deion Lewis leaves the Patriots. So this is Sony's a guy that can kind of replace him. So I really think Sony's going to have a big role on this Patriots team. I don't know if I can sit here and say he's going to start from day one. They have a couple. They have other good backs too, but I think he's going to be, be given every opportunity to do so. And if knowing Sonny Michelle, knowing the kind of player he is and the kind of person he is and the work ethic he has, I w- certainly would not doubt him at all. You know, taking that starting spot or getting some serious playing time in year one with the Patriots. I I think they drafted him in the first round for a reason. There's there's no doubt in my mind there. And I think he's just a great fit for what they like out of that running back position. Um, uh, I and with with Chubb, I don't really know what to expect with him in Cleveland. They have a, a new. Uh, Hugh Jackson turning over the offense to, to Todd Haley, used to coach the Steelers. I will say— yeah, I just don't know about their O-line because, you know, they lose Joe Thomas and things like that. Yeah, yeah, the O-line, you just don't you don't know the situation there. I mean, honestly, I'm, again, not school enough to tell you who Cleveland's offensive line is. I don't know what their situation is. I know they, lo- they lose Joe Thomas, who's a, a big time, was a big-time big time tackle for them for a long time. But outside of that, I don't really know their guys. I'll be real with you there. I'm not going to try to pretend I do. I will say, though, Todd Haley coming from Pittsburgh had Le'Veon Bell, and he, he ran Le'Veon Bell as a workhorse. Does Chubb kind of remind you of a Le'Veon Bell-type guy? No. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, he's, like, Le'Veon he's Bell is, just not the receiver. Yeah, he's so much more versatile. Le'Veon Bell is, is – I mean, he's like, what, the number three receiver for Pittsburgh? Like, it's crazy, uh, the, the stats he puts up as a receiver of the backfield. But in terms of the running style, I mean, they have similar bodies. Um, but, I, I mean, I'll, I'll say Todd Haley did feature Le'Veon Bell. And I could see him trying to potentially feature Nick Chubb in the running game. So, I mean, Nick's got some work to do in the passing game if he wants to be a Le'Veon Bell type guy. But I can see him trying to feature him in that role. Um, but we'll see. I, I, I certainly think Nick will make an impact on that team. But it kind of remains to be seen uh, if he's going to be the guy from day one. And we'll see. Do you think Baker Mayfield is going to be their guy? Like, it's even day one, but I think, I think, I mean. Because they brought in, what, Tyrod Taylor, right? Yeah, I think they can slowly bring him along, which... I mean, he'll, he'll play at some point this year. There's no doubt in my mind yeah, there. I, not in the first eight weeks, yeah. starting-wise. You don't yeah. think so? Not not starting-wise. <sighs> I don't know. The trend is you see more and more guys do that, even if they're not ready. It used to be like you just give them a year and wait, but the trend now nowadays is more and more, let's get these guys in there. I don't know. But it really depends how Tyrod does. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. It, it, Tyrod Taylor was the perfect guy to bring in there for like a one-year bridge-type quarterback. So maybe maybe they will give him the first couple of weeks there and see how it rolls, see if they can 
get something going on. Um, let's go. About, we mentioned Trent for a second there, and look, I, I I'm not gonna sit here and bash Trent Thompson. Like no one needs to do that. We we all know. We all said. Most of us at least said when he came out that it was a horrible decision, and like I this is to me it's tragic, man. I I really really was I was hoping maybe someone will pick him up late in the second round or late in the seventh round. But I mean, honestly, at that point, does it really? I when it's late in the seventh round, wouldn't you rather just be a free agent anyway, so you can pick your team? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, really, you might as well just be a, a a free agent there. But I was hoping somebody would get him. But man, like, I, I we saw this coming, and I, I take no joy in the fact that Trent Thompson did not get drafted. I don't like being right. This is one day, one time I don't want to be right because um, this is a guy who who leaves early. Um, seems like might have had some people who were urging him to go pro early no matter what and might or might not have had his best interest at heart in this situation. Uh, I don't want to say that. Sometimes people need money. And you need money and you see a guy that can potentially make you some cash. You, you, you want to take that opportunity. I get that. But here's a guy now that didn't get drafted. He's a rookie free agent. He's going to have to make the team, which I, we'll see. I mean, he's got the potential to do it, but he just it's kind of like we talked about earlier, he just never came close to reaching that potential. I mean, even more so than a guy like Lorenzo Carter. Lorenzo got closer, I think, to tapping his potential than Trent ever did. Um, so he so he's might or might not make a team, and he doesn't have his college degree. It's just, it's a tragic situation, man. I really hate these kind of situations. I wish these guys had a chance to be able to go back to college if it doesn't work out for them. But in your mind, what is it about Trent? Like, why did teams not draft him? Uh, more than anything, I think it's just inconsistency and – um, you know, let's be honest, these NFL teams, they do their research. Um, they do their homework. That's the thing. They do their homework. They find people that are going to fit their system and that, that they can trust. I think more than anything, um, you just – the thing with Trent, I think one thing I, I – you know, personally, I think was his biggest problem was his drive. And I think that's one thing NFL teams don't want to have to deal with. You know, they can work around, you know, some techniques and fundamentals and certain things like that, but they they're not going to work with drive, especially especially like when they have all these other people who are working so hard and don't the drive is not their problem. Yeah, I get what you're saying, man. Like I, Trent, God, man, this like I saw I was going through social media yesterday and. I knew he was the number one pick in the two four seven composite when he came out, I, and I so obviously it's like, oh my god, the number one pick didn't get drafted. But I think it was Barton Simmons who posted a, put up a tweet said that Trent Thompson becomes the first player ever in the two four seven composite to be number to be ranked number one and go undrafted. That that sucks, man. I mean, that's a designation. But it is it's it's a terrible thing, but it doesn't shock. Yeah, it's just that's a designation you do not want, and trying to. Trying to make sense of this, I mean, there's a couple of things I think you got to factor. Number one, on the field of play, he flashed at times. I mean, his potential was obvious at times. I mean, that TCU game, that bowl game a couple years back, like he was, he was bananas. And we thought, we all thought that maybe that was a springboard to what he was going to do in 2017. He was going to have a huge year, and then of course, you know, he has the the off season. I I don't even know what to call that incident. I'm just going to call it the incident. You know, like, I don't even. I still to, to this day, I don't even know what to make of that. But he has that situation. He's he's not enrolled for the spring semester. He doesn't go through spring practice. Which for a guy like Trent Thompson, who really needed to work on the finer points of his game, like athleticism and potential was never his problem. It was the finer points, the, the technique, uh, playing within the system. Those were always his issues. And when you miss an entire spring practice, that doesn't help matters. You know, uh, that I think that really kind of set him back to a degree. They're coming off that huge bowl game against TCU in the Liberty Bowl. So I, on the field of play, he was just up and down. He'd show those moments. He'd flash. and like, oh, my God, this guy's a beast. And then 
didn't there be moments in games where you're like, did Trent Thompson even play? You know? And that's like when when you're that up and down, that inconsistent, it's frustrating. Now, I will say that he's kind of like a guy like Lorenzo. Like, you, even though he's inconsistent on the field of play, the production is not doesn't quite match what his skill set is or what his athleticism is or his potential is. I guess you still see that potential and you want to. You think you can do something with that. So I thought maybe someone might take him be, because of that. But when you factor in, uh, look, I, I'm not gonna sit here and say mental health issues because I don't know, man. I don't know enough about the situation. But there were some certainly some. There, there were some odd situations, some odd circumstances, I guess, around the whole deal last spring. You know, it's so like that whole situation. Then, and let's not forget, Trent has like how and that shoulder has been hurt almost since the day he arrived on campus, has it not? It has. It's I mean, never, never gotten fully healed. Yeah, I mean, he's had. I mean, I am I wrong? I, I, he's had multiple surgeries on that shoulder, correct? It seems like. It. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that for a hundred percent. I mean, I don't have the the dates here in front of me, but I'm if I if I remember correctly, I know he's had a, a couple of surgeries on that shoulder. And a defensive tackle, especially a guy that young, who's already having shoulder problems like that, that is a red flag to NFL franchise when they can go draft another guy who might not have quite the potential as Trent, but has been more consistent uh, and doesn't have the injury situation. Doesn't also doesn't have that incident in his background would force him to withdraw from school for a semester. So yeah, see, here's the thing too. We don't know all the details of this information. No, but we NFL don't. teams do. Yeah, NFL teams. They do, like you're right. They have all the resources. They they have the investigators. They go and they find all this stuff out, man. We don't know. Like I, I still like, again don't know what to make of that situation. Last spring, we found the train tracks there on River Road. Like I just, it's just weird. Uh, I don't know what was going on there. But whatever it was, it wasn't good. And it's certainly not something that's going to reflect well on him when it comes to NFL draft and then doing their investigation, doing their homework, trying to figure out is this a guy that we want to invest a lot of money in. And honestly, can you blame them for not wanting to invest a lot of money in Trent right now at this time? No. I really can't. And like, I hope to God he goes out there and makes a team and proves himself. I, I, I swear. I mean, I think the guy could be really good. I mean, he was not the number one player in the 247 composite for no reason. The guy has off the charts potential. But now at this point, he's just never tapped into it. Maybe it goes back to what you were saying with the drive. Maybe he just never had the drive to be that good. I don't know. Um, I will say he freestyled way too much. I mean, that was part of the problem. I mean, it, he's a guy that people have pointed to or opposing fan base to point to and say, hey, Georgia's losing Trent Thompson off their defense. I mean, God, their defense will take a huge step back. We might take a step back defense this year, but it's not necessarily going to be because we don't have Trent Thompson. Let's us forget, let us forget, don't, don't let us forget here, guys, that he was not a starter last year. He played plenty, but he didn't start. So I, that's why I was just baffling to me that this guy came out in the first place. Just, he was in no way was he ready. Uh, and if he would have come back for one more year, he might not have jumped up in the second or third round. But I feel pretty confident to say there's a much better chance he would have gotten drafted. And I just hate it for the guy. I really do. So just wish him the best and hope things work out for him, no doubt. All right, last thing about this past draft, the one that just ended here. Uh, we kind of talked about these guys already. I'm just curious to get your take. I think I know the answer here, but I want to make sure I'm not just putting words in your mouth. When you look at Sony with the Patriots and Nick with the Browns, who do you think is going to end up having the better pro career between those two guys? Um, maybe Sony, just because of the fact of uh, his, you know, versatility and maybe who he's going to. I mean, even with Brady, be I mean, Brady's gonna be like he's forty-one years old. Well, yeah, I mean, but even then, I mean, it's it's the Patriots, the, the what you're instilled, you know, what gets instilled with you. I mean, the, the Browns still don't have an identity of winning yet. As long as Bill Belichick is with the Patriots, I'm gonna say Sony. Exactly, but I don't. I mean, I, I, I don't look again. Not the NFL guy here, not Mister NFL. But from what I understand, Bill Belichick, there's there's some tension there in that organization between Belichick, the owners Brady, Gronk, all those guys. So and and you know they famously made 
uh, Belichick trade Garoppolo last year, and he did not want to trade Garoppolo. He wanted to have that plan in place for uh, as a successor to Tom Brady. Uh, so I, I think he'll probably end up being there for a couple more years. And he's not a young guy anymore anyway, so maybe he doesn't want to get started somewhere else. But as long as Bill Belichick is there, I think Sony fits that system perfectly to a T. He's a great leader. He plays. He fits as a running back, as a player. He fits what they like at that position. So I think both will have good careers. But I think Sony, like you said, just the versatility and what he's able to do out of the backfield will give him maybe a, and just by virtue of being with that with with that organization, I think gives him a, a heads up there. So I'm gonna go with Sony. Although I hope Nick has a great career, I think he definitely will as well. All right, well, let's transition here uh, to the 2019 NFL Draft. Now, there's a couple guys that we know are going to be graduating. Guys like Terry Godwin, uh, Jonathan Ledbetter. That are going to be in the NFL draft, right? They're going to be, they're going to be, they might not, might not get drafted, but they'll be, they'll be in the mix there. There's also some underclassmen who might potentially be ready to make a jump, and we're just going to, for the sake of this conversation, we're just going to assume that these guys are going to make a jump. We don't know for sure. Maybe they'll stay. Maybe they won't. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, Carl, we're going to kind of try to project what round, okay? What round these guys will go, or at least the range of rounds they might go in. Let's try to keep it between like two rounds, third or fourth round or fifth or sixth round, something like that, first or second round. Um, and let's base this off what they've done so far to this point in their career and also what we project them to do this year, all right? Now, we don't know what they're going to do this year, but we're going to try to bring our projections into the equation here as well. I'm going to start with a guy that I'm really high on this year. I think he's going to explode on this scene. He might have already exploded on this scene late last year, and that's DeAndre Walker. Where do you see him potentially landing in next year's NFL draft? Uh, probably the second or the third. Man, okay, so here's my thing with DeAndre Walker. If he like, ex- like truly explodes onto the scene and, and has like double-digit sacks, couldn't you see him sneaking into the first round? Maybe. I think just the biggest thing is the, he still needs to get bigger. He is undersized. I mean, right now he's put on weight, he's kept it on now, but he's still like in the 240 range, which, which is good for us right now at this point. But at the NFL level, you probably need to get a little bigger than that. So I think that's that's a fair critique there. He probably needs to add a little bit more weight to maybe be considered as a first-round pick. But he oozes pass rushing ability, and his explosiveness is off the charts. To me, if he has double-digit sacks and he proves that he can be an, a three-down linebacker and, and set the edge out there consistently against the run, I think – He'll. I could definitely see him as a second round pick, and I think he could kind of like Lorenzo be flirting with the with the the back end of the first round. Maybe if he if he has that kind of year this year. Now I can't project him to have double digit sacks. I mean, what was the last time we had a guy with double digit sacks? Was it was it Jarvis? Yeah, it had to be. Yeah, it had to be Jarvis. So it's been a while, man. And Kirby's system doesn't necessarily lend itself to guys doing that because we do a lot of mush rush type stuff. Now when you have, I will say like when you, when Kirby has a guy like DeAndre Walker who's a pure pass rusher. In the past, he's like with Tim Williams at Alabama. He's been more willing to let those guys just go and rush at the pasture, kind of unleash them. So I'm curious to see how we use him this year. We're going to use him more like we used uh, Lorenzo and Davin last year, or since he is a better pure pass rusher and he's shown that throughout his career, are we going to allow him to kind of be unleashed and just go get the quarterback? And if we do that, and he sets the run well, sets the edge well against the run, I could see people being intrigued by him late in that first round. But it, to be safe here, I think you're right. Probably second to third round, if he has just you know a, a good solid year, second, probably second to third round there. Uh, next guy, we also know he's going to be leaving this year. Uh, is Terry Godwin had a really good year for us last year. Really kind of t- started tapping into that potential he had as a five star recruit coming out of high school. Where do you think Terry might land next year? Um, I'll say fourth or fifth round. 
So if Terry becomes our go-to receiver this year, you still say fourth or fifth round? Let's say he has like 50 catches. Yeah, I mean, Wims was our best receiver, our go-to best receiver this year, and he was the seventh round pick. Yeah. And he had a bigger body than Terry. Yeah. A different type receiver than Terry. Um, I, I I still, we say this all the time, I think wherever Terry gets picked up next, or if he gets picked up by a team in the NFL draft next year, which I think he will at this point, uh, I think he'll play in the slot, right? Yeah. I think he'd be deadly in the slot. I, I, I absolutely really do. Uh, but I'm with, I think fourth or fifth round is probably where Terry will end up, but he'll get picked. So I think Terry's going to have a good year this year, and he's had a solid career to this point. I don't know if he's lived up to the five-star billing yet. He's gotten closer to it last year. He got closer to it last year, and hopefully this year he'll take another step. I, I, I will say I've heard from people around the program throughout the spring that he was just beast. He was in beast mode all spring long and was just killing it out there. So maybe he is in store for that truly breakout season uh, as a senior. And if he does that, then he might sneak into the third round or so. But I don't, I don't see him being a first or second round guy. I really don't, even with a huge year this year. I just don't think he has the measurables for that. Uh, next one here. Uh, now this guy, he strongly considered coming out last year, and uh, I think he would have been a, a pretty high draft pick. Draft pick if he would have come out last year, but he decided to come back. Fortunately for us, and that's DeAndre Baker. Where do you see him going? What round? Um, it's a probably tough second one. Or third. Probably second or third. With the premium placed on cornerbacks, you don't think he's sneaking into the first round? If he has like an all-SEC type year? If I'm being realistically, I'd say more of a second and third round pick. I think he could sneak in, but if I'm being very realistic. Yeah, I think it's much more realistic to say he's a second round guy. I I, I don't think he'll drop beyond the second round. I really don't. Would you, If you put in the fact that they that the NFL puts a premium on, on guys with size at that position, he's got pretty good size. He's not overly big for a cornerback, but he's got good solid size. He's not small, dude. He's not like Tyreek McGee out there. Uh, he also had, I think, it was the second lowest quarterback rating um, when he was targeted last year by SEC quarterbacks. So I think it was like third quarterbacks in the SEC had thirty-eight point seven uh, passer rating when they, when they targeted him last year. I think got that I got that number off Pro Football Focus. They do that stuff for a living. So I mean, he had a huge year last year, and not really many people talked about him outside of our, outside of our fan base. But I think a lot more people are going to be talking about him this year, especially after. Uh, the game he had against Alabama, he played really well, had the interception, a really great interception there, and we had a good year, and we're going to be highly ranked coming this season. So I think he's going to get more attention, and I really think he gets, he's going to end up on a – I really believe he's going to be a first-team LSEC type cornerback this year. I really do. So with that type of performance, he could maybe sneak his way into the first round, uh, but I think it's kind of like with DeAndre Walker. It's probably safer to sit here and say second, even with a pretty big year. Uh, next guy here, I, I think this is a guy that's been so underrated for us and undervalued because he's not a, a pass rusher type guy. He doesn't put up huge sack numbers. But I think he does so many things for us and does exactly what the coaches asked for us. And that's Jonathan Ledbetter. Um, he's a guy that, that, that he was kicking the tires around a little bit but decided to come back this year. If he has a big year this year, Kurt, where do you think Ledbetter could end up in the draft? Um, I still say probably third or fourth. I uh, you think that high? I do because some teams will place a premium on someone that can actually stop the run. Yeah, he could be like a he could be like a a, a two it guy there at, at Pittsburgh, but he's got he's got to be a little bit bigger than he is right now. He needs to put on another ten pounds. If he wants to be that run stopper in the NFL. Um, he's gotten he's got he, he's plenty big enough right now to play in the SEC, but play the NFL. I think he could put another ten pounds or so and was still able to maintain his athleticism. I think he'd be really good shape there. But the bottom line is. He's he's really he's a he's a three four defensive end. He's a five tech defensive end and a three four. That's what he is. If he could if he could work on his ability to rush the passer, 
to where he could play a little bit of four three defensive end and still kind of get after the passer. Like, I, but do you see that in his game? I just I don't see him as that type of guy. No, I don't either. I mean, he's a true five tech three four defensive end. That's what he is. But I think he, he could be kind of that heavy defensive end in, a, in like in, in an even front. Like we use him in that in that way at times. Uh, I just don't know how much if you can't rush the passer. I don't know how much of a premium there is in that position. Definitely, you want guys that can stop the run, but more than anything, you want guys that can get after the passer. So, I would say more like a fourth round type guy. That's where I would put Ledbetter right now. Um, all right, next two here. These are guys that could go pro. We're not a hundred percent sure, but if they have big gears, it could happen. Uh, and we're going to start with defensive tackle Tyler Clark here. If he has a big year this year, Kurt. Where can you see him going? I'd probably go with him to third or fourth round. Yeah, I, I honestly, like, I just, I think Tyler Clark's a really good player for us. I mean, as athletic as he is, he just, he still lacks the three hundred thirty pounds and moves like right. that. Right? Yeah, he, he's not like just obscenely big and athletic. Athletic this time. I mean, you're right. He doesn't have that combo, that size, speed, athleticism combo. He's a big dude. Don't go right, right around three hundred pounds, but he's not like three fifteen, three twenty, that kind of guy. Exactly. I mean, he could. Maybe they could try to make him do a, like you said, a five tech with him and with his athleticism and stuff like that. But like you see these. D linemen going the first and second rounds. These guys are studs. I mean, they're big and strong and fast. And let's see who in the, who defensive lineman went in the first round this Payne. year. Payne jumps off right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you got Bradley Chubb's. A, he's a different kind of player. Who else we got here? Yeah, Duran. I mean, Duran Payne was on. A, I mean, Tyler Clark was really good last year, but Duran Payne was on a, a totally that totally different level for sure. Uh, maybe and maybe Tyler Clark can raise his game to that level this year. We'll see. Uh, uh, Taven Bryan from Florida. Like, very different player than Tyler Clark. Brian's game is all about physicality. Um, and he's, he's athletic, too, but that, that dude just blows up blockers. He's a block destroyer. And you got in the second round, early second round, you've got really defensive tackles here. Not a ton in the second round. Uh, P.J. Hall, Sam Houston State, I have no idea who that person is. I think probably third round is safe to say with him. Um, I, I think if, if he came out, I could see him being a third to fourth round type guy. If he had a good, like, if he had a good enough year to where he – can realistically try to come out, I would say probably third to fourth round. And I'm with you on the reasons why. That. Just the size is a, I imagine, be somewhat of a concern for most of those teams. He doesn't have elite size for an NFL defensive tackle. Uh, the last one here we're going to talk about just for a second is Miko Hardman. Now, I'm putting, I don't, like, Miko's played the position for one year, okay? So this is a little bit of a stretch. But he's another guy that I heard rave, people raving about him coming out of spring this year that he was essentially uncoverable. If he breaks on the scene and has an absolute breakout junior campaign, Kurt, first off, do you think Miko will come out? And second, and then if he's if the answer is yes, where do you think he, he will end up in the draft? If he has an incredible year, yes. But well, what does incredible year mean for you for him? What's a good uh, enough year for him to come out? Quite a few touchdowns and a lot of yards, more catches. Explosive plays. He's going to have to have yeah, some like wow explosive plays. plays. Yeah, in big moments. And st- and, you know, if he if he has like in in the slot, I could see him, especially with the RPO system that we're trying to implement here. That we did a lot of last year. I could see him having fifty plus catches next year if 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 he's as good as people are saying he was during the spring. If he kind of explodes on the scene, if he has like fifty plus catches, has some huge plays. Uh, we have another big year, so people see this on the big stage. I could potentially see him, and people just drooling over his speed and athleticism, I could see that happening. So if he does come out, if he has that kind of year, a good enough year to where he's put himself in position to seriously be considered as an NFL draft prospect, as, a, as an underclassman coming out, where would you see him landing? Uh, uh, fourth or fifth. 
Even if he has the big enough year to come out. See, to me, if, yeah, that, if that's the case, I mean, don't come out. Explosive as he is, you don't see. I mean, look at the draft right now. He's small. See, yeah, you don't see these small guys, even as explosive as they are, going in the first three rounds usually. And he's like, and here's the thing about about Miko. I, I and he's, he would need he would need some big return. Plays. Well, yeah, he. It, well, see, the thing is about when the return game, he had plays last year. Like if Isaiah McKenzie was our return last year, there were multiple plays that would have been taken taken to the house. Because Miko, as straight line fast as he is, and he is crazy fast in a straight line, he does not have a ton of wiggle. He, he's not incredibly elusive. His feet are. His, he doesn't have the best feet. There's a lot of things yeah. that brought him back. And I, that's why I think Akil Crumpton is going to be our, our pump return man this year. And he was the first guy going back there at G Day. Now, that doesn't mean anything right now, but I wouldn't be shocked at all because there were times last year, and Kirby even said this in the spring in a couple of his press conferences, there were times where Miko had room and should have taken it to the house and just didn't for whatever reason. Vision, um, cutting a bill, whatever it was, you know, just his lateral movement. Uh, he's straight line fast. He is. But in the NFL, you've got, if you're that small, and your game is all about you know playing in the slot and making guys miss and playing in space. You've got to have that wiggle. You got to be able to run those option routes, man. Uh, like a Julian Edelman, that type of guy. And I just don't know if that's Miko's game. So if he did come out this year, or honestly, if he's a fourth or fifth round guy, if that's where he's projected after this season, he needs to come back, right? Uh, you would hope that, especially the situation with Trent, has set a precedent. You would hope so, man. I mean, like, fourth or fifth round, dude, come on, wait a year, and you can improve your stock. I mean, I would think you'd improve his stock a little bit, maybe. I don't know. I mean, he'll get, they'll have a lot more information for him than we would. I would hope that he would come back if he was only a fourth or fifth round pick. But I, I'm with you. I think Miko, I, I don't know, like, with his crazy athleticism, if he has a huge year, a good enough year to where he's contemplating coming out, maybe he gets taken in the third round, but I don't know if he'd go that much. I don't know if he'd go much higher than that coming out as a junior, even with a big year next year. All right, guys, that does it for us here today on the Glory UJ Podcast. Definitely wanted to take a little bit of time to recap the draft since there has been the big news going on over the past couple weeks here. So make sure to check back with us later this week for an all-things 2019 recruiting edition of the Glory UJ Podcast. Uh, You guys might or might not know this, but we've got a huge commitment possibility. Five-star linebacker Owen Popo is scheduled to be making his public commitment on Tuesday. This is a guy that's been heavily recruited by really everybody in the country since really his eighth grade year. And from all accounts, right now we are neck and neck with Auburn in this race. So it could go either way. He seems to keep going back and forth really almost day by day. So we will definitely be covering that decision and a host of other developments on the recruiting front over the past couple of weeks. So make sure to check back in later in the week. Definitely don't want to miss that if you are into the recruiting scene. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs.